Praise God. Okay, I want you to open your Bible. 1 Corinthians. Let's have a look at that verse I just quoted there. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. You were bought with a price. We're talking about, uh, the, about honor. Last week, I was sharing about the gift of honor. I want to pick this up again and uh, just take it a little further. Kind of go back where we were and pick it up. And then I want to just talk about the source of lasting honor. The source of lasting honor. And uh, I really want, want you to uh, open your heart to begin to just understand this principle of honor. It just works in life. It's a principle of the kingdom. We find we look at how God operates. The Father honors the Son. Son honors the Father. Holy Spirit honors the Father and the Son. God is an honoring God. And we're going to see how he honors us and how to position ourselves for that to happen. And this verse said, you were bought with a price. You know, everywhere I go, I find, and it's, it's been true in my own life, there's something in the heart of every one of us desires to feel we're valued. Now, people want to be valued. No one wants to be treated like you're worth nothing. Inside everyone, there's a desire to be valued or honored. That word uh, to honor means literally, in the, in the Old Testament, the word was kabad, meaning to be weighty, to count for something, or to be impressive, or to have value. And uh, so uh, and when the Bible's using the word honor in the Old Testament, it uses it about God having honor, about having weight or having majesty, and uh, that's the word honor. Then the New Testament, it's a different word. It's the word meaning to place a value on something or to consider something to be very precious, to highly esteem something. So when you kind of put it together, to give honor to someone is to act in such a way they feel really valued as though they have a special place in your life. To honor someone is to treat them in such a way they feel, they feel really valued and that they have a special place in your life. Isn't that a fantastic thing? But to dishonor, to dishonor people means you treat them in a way that they feel they are of little value or you take away value from them or you dishonor people when you reject them, when you won't accept them for who they are. Now, like we talk about a dishonored check is a check someone presented and it was dishonored. We rejected it. It's worthless. Get rid of that thing. See? So, so you dishonor people when you do not impart to them value when you communicate and connect with them. And there's so many ways that we can dishonor people. Jesus said of the Pharisees, he said, he said, I honor my father, but you dishonor me. You dishonor me. He actually said to the religious leaders of his day, the people entrusted, get this, the people entrusted to carry the word of God to the world. And he said, you dishonor me. And the, re and the thing that caused this to come to the surface was when the supernatural happened. He had just cast a demon out of a man and immediately they, they began to argue among themselves and they accused him of having a devil and even being a Samaritan. They did not recognize who Jesus was and they actually dishonored him by the way they spoke about him. And when you dishonor someone, what you do is you shut up the value of their gift and the value of them as a person, and you shut down any contribution they can make. So in Mark chapter 6, I want you to look with me in Mark chapter 6. I want you to look at a, at a verse here, Mark 6. See, so we were bought with a price. We were bought with an honor. So when God was thinking how he could honor us, one thing that he did was he paid an immense price for us. Okay? Immense price. 
If you want to have a look at how valuable something is, look at how much someone's willing to pay for it. Okay? Now, you have a look at a, at a diamond. I like diamonds. Now, what is the value of a diamond? Well, you know, it can cut something. Well, okay, that's good if you want to cut something. It, it, it sparkles. Well, that's good if it sparkles. But there's something inside it. There's something about a diamond that's just intrinsically good. Girls love them. There's no substitute for a big rock. There's something about it, you know. You get a girl a big rock, <gasps> she feels valued. See? Just the, the, so there's something in it. But what we, need, what we need to understand is that these are all created things, that there's only one thing in this world which was made in the image of God, and that's mankind. And so we are of the greatest value of everything God has created. You have never looked at a person who's not of value to God. And so the Bible says... He redeemed us, or you, you have been purchased out of the hands of the devil and given eternal destiny with an honor. The word price there is the word honor. So God put a price on you. Now, you may not think you're much value, and I'll tell you, you'll see why you think you're not much value later on, and then how to position yourself so you can actually begin to grow in your sense of value. Because if you believe you're of little value, you will certainly devalue everyone around you. But if you believe you are of immense value, then your very presence coming into a place will begin to communicate value to people around you. See? You're thinking about it. I can see that one. Well, we'll, we'll get down that a little bit further, but it's, it's true. See, any person who has a low value on themselves or a low esteem will misfunction in life. They will never produce their very best. They can't because they don't value who they are. Okay? And when we value who we are, then we will not permit ourselves to be treated in certain ways. We'll put boundaries and stop people abusing us. We'll speak up about things that we didn't speak up before. There's a lot of things you do when you actually feel yourself to be very valuable. We'll stop comparing ourselves with others because we don't need to anymore. We, we will stop criticizing others and pulling them down so we can feel more valuable. So there's a lot of human behaviors flow out of feeling I'm not much value. And the remedy for it is to actually believe and to see and to experience that I am of immense value. And there's a number of ways we can do that. Some of them will help. Some of them are not so good. So I want to share with you the source of true value. So I want you to read with me in this verse here. And what you see, it tells us of Jesus' ministry in his own hometown. It says, Jesus came to his own hometown. So read the verses so you get to see it. Let's have a look at it there in Mark chapter 6. Verse 1, he went out from there, came to his own country. His disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get all this? What wisdom is this which is given to him? And such mighty works are performed by his hands. Then, now, here's where their attitude comes out. Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. Notice what Jesus said? You actually won't honor me. And the only place you don't get honor is in your own hometown. And verse 5, and he could now, he could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now you notice here that Jesus' ministry to people, what he desired to do for them, 
depended on them receiving him and honoring him or putting weight on him or value on him. What happened, though, was they were familiar with him. They had seen him grow up. And because they were familiar with him, they then despised or dishonored him. And when they dishonored him, they then could not receive his gifting. His gifting was shut down. Now, you think here, every member of this church, every person here, there's a number of things we could say. Number one, we can say, no matter how you conduct yourself or no matter what is happening going on or may have gone on in your life, I can tell you that you are of value to God, not because you've done something or haven't done something, but you intrinsically are of value because you're made in the image of God and you will live forever. You are of great value to God. Now, maybe people around you don't like you too much, but to God, you're of immense value. Say, great value. Now, in the church, that's the first thing. Second thing we say is that not only is every person here of great value, but for the value that is within them to be released, we have to honor them or receive them. You despise people, they can't function. They literally can't function. So when we get a negative attitude about people or criticize them or fault find or despise them or dishonor, we remove value from them and close down their gift and they can't function. Think about that. So many marriages, the husband doesn't recognize the value of his wife's contribution and shuts it down and the marriage doesn't function well. Many wives don't value what their husband does have. They just see the faults he has, major on the faults and despise him and shut down what he could do. So honor is a gift that we give to a person. It's a gift. It doesn't matter whether they deserve it or not. It's something you choose to do to place a value on them. And when you do it, it actually activates a response from them. It's impossible to honor people without activating a response from them. Always there's a response. Always there's a response. And one of the responses is they open their heart up to you and then what's in them begins to flow to you. See? So in a church, one of the greatest issues in a church is pride or insecurity or lack of value will cause us to look down on others, feel we're better than them, and then we shut them down and stop the flow of God to them and and stop their gifts being released. So it's really crucial that in our personal lives, we get a grip on this issue of honor and learn how to honor and value people and also learn how not to be dishonored or allow ourselves to be devalued by people in life. That's an important one. I can't deal with that today. I want to look at the source of true honor now. So, so we see then Jesus' own ministry was shut down by the lack of honor. Honor will open up people's lives. Okay, then I want you to have a look at this. We're going to look at five places that people look for honor. Why don't you first of all look with me in Psalm 8, verse 5. Psalm 8 and verse 5. So because everyone wants to feel valued. No one wants to feel like I'm not valued. It's just something inside us. I'll tell you why it's there in a moment. We, go for the, we look in the wrong place. Psalm, Psalm 8. Psalm 8. Now look at this. Look what the Bible says about us. In Psalm 8. Verse 4, it says, what is man that you are mindful of him? In other words, what are are people that God continues to think about us? He's astonished. 
He looks at how vast creation is and says, goodness me, what is man that you just do spend so much time and effort and energy thinking about us? Or the son of man that you visit him or you come and, and make your presence known to him. For you have made him a little lower than Elohim, God himself. You have crowned him with glory and honor and made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Now notice this, that we, notice it says you have crowned man with glory and honor. Now this is, this, so the Bible's telling us that God values man. God values us immensely. He values us because He's made us like him, spirit beings, and he's made us for a purpose of ruling over all that he's created. He's an actually, he has imparted to us tremendous value intrinsically. But when man is separated from God by sin, the source of that value disappears. Now we're going to find it somewhere else. So when Adam and Eve, for example, when they sinned, immediately what they lost was they lost the abiding glory and honor and presence of God. And when they lost that, they then were ashamed, they were devalued, and they tried to hide and conceal themselves. So a consequence of the fall of man is we feel something's missing in us. We feel we're not good enough. How many people here have recognized or felt the feeling or the thoughts, I'm not good enough? How many have felt that one? Well, not a nice thought, is it? We've all felt that thought. Had that feeling. It's a horrible thing. How many wrestle quite consistently that I'm not good enough? Come on, let's be honest about it. Well, it's a major issue. Because if you don't feel you're good enough, you will either withdraw your gifting and what you have to contribute, or you'll strive to try to get value somehow. So we're either going to go to the true source, or we're going to find that value somewhere else. And I want to just share with you just quickly, I won't go into it too much, but just share with you, and it's quite obvious that people look for value. They look for their esteem. They look for their worth all in the wrong places. And because we look for it in the wrong places, we have many troubles in our life we don't need to have. And when people come into church and get born again and become a Christian, unfortunately, they don't change very much in this area. They're still seeking value the same way they did before they got saved, with the same problems. Instead of actually coming to the true source, God himself, who designed us like him, and it's only by relating with him and receiving value from him and making his value the biggest one that we look for, that we can actually find the security we need. So people who don't feel valued are insecure. What they'll do is they'll tend, their tendency is to run everyone else down. And if someone does get valued, oh, what they do to deserve that? Our culture is riddled with it. It's called the tall poppy syndrome. You all know the tall poppy syndrome. Someone achieves something and everyone around tries to pull them down. It's very strong in tribal cultures. It, it actually stops anyone becoming great. The others all pull them down. And if they get something, they take it away from them. This is, and this is a common, not just New Zealand, this is all over the world. Wherever there's a tribal culture, that happens. So, so value. We want to feel valued. And if you feel valued, you actually are able to abound in generosity to others. If you feel devalued and no value, you shut down and withdraw. Is that not true? Okay, then. So, so we see the importance of value. So firstly, you must position yourself so that you yourself live as a person of value and honor. And then we must learn how to give honor to other people. 
And when we give other to other people, what we do is everywhere we go, we impart value to them. We are great ambassadors for Christ. In our workplace, in our community, wherever we are, we meet people and instinctively they feel we're not trying to get something, we're giving something, and they feel better afterwards than they were before. And it opens their heart and they respond. I had a, a person come to do a survey. I was just, can't remember what it was, some... I don't even know what it was. Now it was some survey and I welcomed them in. We gave them a cup of tea and sat down and then, but then began to value the person and look after them and, and treat them right. And next thing you know, I had this great chance to share about what God was doing. And I just shared about the value that we're placing on people by not just handing things out to them, but helping them to grow. And she, immediately she recognized that. I said, you're struggling in that area. She said, yes, I am. I was able to talk to her about the Lord witness to her. Now, the opportunity to witness came out of just placing honor and value on her as a person. The other flowed because she asked. She, she wanted to know. It wasn't like I had to, I'm like a salesman with a hidden agenda and I'm smiles and, you know, gleaming teeth and gleaming eyes and we're smiling and we're being nice. But secretly we have a plan to part you with your money. And only after a little bit of time, then it comes. Now, I've seen them. They come to the door and they give me this below. I say, look, get cut to the quick. What is it you're trying to sell me? You know, now, because what happens is you realize there's nothing authentic about all the, the palaver. It's actually trying to warm you up and open you up by making you feel good. Okay? And then at the end, there's an agenda. It's what they want for you. Now, as believers, we know that God's best for people is that they come into connection with God. But the trouble is you can't do the work of God for him in that respect. Only the Holy Ghost can save. What we can do is demonstrate God's love and provide opportunities for people to experience the value through us and opportunity to open their life to discuss and talk these things through. They naturally want to know. What people hate is being pushed to be something they don't want to be. It devalues them. That's why control is so evil it devalues the other person tremendously. A person who's been under control will always feel devalued. Okay, now let's have a look at a few sources that people have. And you'll, you'll recognize some of them. Maybe you've, and there's a certain temporary value in all of them. Okay, let's give a few of them. Uh, one, possessions. Possessions, money, money and things. Money and things. Now, actually, I feel really good when I bought something new. So I actually adds value to buy. That's why you've ever heard the thing retail therapy. You get out there and you shop and you buy stuff and you feel good. You buy too much and then you'll feel bad because the bills will come in and you're really in a bad place. But it actually, there's a short-term benefit of buying something. The problem is long-term, it doesn't last. Then Nick, it's this year's model was now last year's model. There's something better out. And then, you know, and what, you know what happens? Because you found your value in the thing, when the next model comes out, you become dissatisfied have low value, and you've got to reach out for more to get your value. That's why Jesus in Luke uh, chapter 12, verses 13 to 15, he said, beware of coveting, beware of greedily going after things, because a man's life does not consist of the things he owns. You are better than things. You're better than things. So I'm, I, we're not to measure ourselves by thinking, oh, look at the car he drives. Oh, look at the house he's got. Oh, look where he lives. He lives out of Havelock in one of those gated suburbs. Whoa, listen, if that's your measure of value, you got it all wrong. I've been out there and seen some of their problems and counseled some. I wouldn't be there for anything. In that kind of positioning, where things are what my life is built around. 
whether you're rich or poor, things can become the measure of your value. When they do, you're in trouble. Because if you don't have them, you then are consumed with this desire and this lust to try and have them, and you feel always of no value. And if you do have them, you're never satisfied, you want more. So clearly possessions, while they give some value, they're not the measure of the value of a person. So I don't care what you've got, what you haven't got, that's not the measure of your value. I'm not impressed if people have a lot of money, not impressed if they have little. None of that stuff impresses me. Long ago, I've learned not to be impressed by that. New Zealand, people are impressed by that. This tall poppy syndrome, it comes out of pride and insecurity and low value. And so anyone who looks like they go ahead, we want to pull them down. And in pulling them down, we reveal the low value we have by the shameful conduct we have. We actually reinforce our dishonor. So, okay, so, so, so money and possessions isn't where it is. Now, should we go for those things? Yeah, no reason why you shouldn't have possessions. No reason why you shouldn't have money. Better have it than not have it. You're in a position to bless someone. But that's not where your value's found. Otherwise, the day you've got no money, you'll feel low value. See, value's not to be found whether they got the money or not got the money. Value's to be found in the source of the finance with God himself. Second area that people look for it is in positioning. Titles, ranks, and privileges. Look at the Pharisees and see, people who are religious often want that too. See, authentic people, people who really actually are secure in their relationship with the Lord, you don't really worry about what role or title you've got. People who aren't, boy, they really need them badly. They really need them badly. And so Jesus said about the Pharisees, the Pharisees said, listen, they occupy a place of authority, verse 3 of Matthew chapter 23. Whatever they tell you to do, do it. Whatever they observe and do, but do not according to their works, because they say and they don't do. So he said, respect their authority and respect the role and positioning they have, but he said, don't copy their lifestyle. He says, verse 5, all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places and feast best seats in the synagogues, want to be greeted and called by titles. But you, no, don't worry about that kind of stuff. So if you're worried about a position, title, rank, or whatever, it doesn't satisfy. Jesus said, don't make that word. You know, your value isn't in your title. Otherwise, if you lose your title, you're done. Okay? In church, a lot of people, they're, they're concerned about what role they have. Now I've got a position. How high up the rank am I? Listen, forget that. What you focus on is being great. Being great means you become a servant. If you're a great server, there's always a place for you. But it doesn't really matter a toot what title you got on you. It doesn't mean anything. It's a, it, it recognizes a certain rank or role, and that is appropriate. We recognize it. But that's not where your value's found. If your value's found there, you, you'll struggle for the position, and you'll try and pull down people who have it. It's true. That's why we've got so much contention. You know, people get issues with their bosses and issues with people over them all over the place because actually they want to be in that place. And so their envy comes out. So we don't worry about those kind of positions. That's not where value is found in having a position or a title. I've given up heaps of them. And it astonishes people because it astonishes them. You know why it astonishes them? They said, how could you resign? How could you let go of that position? It's said, simple. It's not really of great value to me. Serving is. But obviously it was to them. And so it exposed them. So position, a title, all of those things. Well, there's a place for those things. And it's right to acknowledge people in ranks and positions and so on. But that's not where our value is found in having that. You know, all men are buried in the same grave. It's interesting, in some of the countries in the Middle East, what they do is that no matter what title or rank you had in life, when you're buried, 
you're buried in a grave that's exactly the same as the one next to you. Well, that's interesting, isn't it, eh? It's among the Muslims. Fancy that. That's quite interesting, eh? No one's allowed to have a big elaborate thing. They still have the same. Buried the same day, they're buried in the same sort of the same sort of deal everywhere. It's interesting, isn't it? There's no that because in death everyone's the same. You all got to meet your Creator, and it's not matter what title you had. You leave all the titles behind. You either know Jesus Christ, you were saved to walk with Him to get yourself into heaven, and you did something that really honoured Him, or you didn't. But what your title was is not impressive in heaven. It's not impressive in heaven. It probably isn't really of lasting value. Here's another way people try and find their value is by recognition by people. People. Notice in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 30. People who uh, want the recognition of others, they find their value by others recognizing them, become consumed with image. I've got to have the right image. People pay thousands of dollars to make sure they've got the right image. Look right. Say the right things. Mix with the right people. And so when, when we're like that, what we do, a person who gets their value out of image and what they look like is really a people pleaser. What they're doing is they're seeking favor from people. So what happens is the moment you, you, they meet someone, you know what happens? They begin to size up whether that person can help me get ahead or not. And so the world is divided up into two groups of people for them. Those who can help me get ahead and those who can't. Those who can't, I ignore them and despise them. Oh, I dishonor them. Treat them as no value because they can't help me get ahead. But the people who can help me get ahead, oh, I'll suck up to them and sweet talk them, do all kinds of stuff. Can you understand that when you place value on what people think, you will divide the world up and you'll divide it into people that can help you, people that can't help you. And one of the things that we all need to cultivate is the the love and the grace of God who honors and values all people, whether they can help us or not is irrelevant. It's treating people with respect and value because they're made in the image of God. And I'm called to represent God. And representing God is more important than impressing people. You understand, this is core value stuff for life. And the culture is riddled with these areas where people try and find their value. And so, one of the unfortunate things is small-minded people then gossip, criticize, and run down and have little cliques that talk about people. This is not honoring. This is dishonoring. And so, we've got to really, as a church, decide we will find ourselves deeply rooted personally in the value God has placed on us and secure enough to be able to value others and step aside if they're greater than us. Instead of holding them down until they get frustrated and their gift gets shut down. Make sense? And then as a church, we need to begin to identify and clearly embrace our own unique identity and value as a church. We need to value who we are as Bay City. Because if we don't value ourselves, certainly no one else is going to. We need to value who we are, what makes us unique, and then stand up strongly in it as a representative of the church. We need to be bold about who we are, what we have in Christ. Not ashamed of it. 
Otherwise, if you are, you'll just criticize and find fault with everything. And God's trying to help us to come up another level. To come up another level, you've got to be an honoring type person. So in 1 Samuel 15, verse 30, now Saul was given a position of leadership, but his core motivation was he was concerned about what people thought of him. So when he was found out doing something wrong, this is what his, his statement was, I know I've sinned, I know I did wrong, but could you come with me and worship with me and honor me in front of the people? I want to look good in front of the people. Because the politicians all try to look good in front of the people until they found out. Then they say, I never did anything wrong. <laughs> Just like Saul. I didn't do anything wrong. Oh, 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 okay. Maybe I did a little. But I still want to look good. And this is, this is, this is the world's way. So if, if our value is found in our positions and money uh, or in positions or in people, then, then they're very temporary things. They come and they go, and your value goes up and down with them. Uh, power is another thing. Some people really, they get their kick off power. They feel valuable if they're powerful. And of course, money can make people very powerful and very arrogant. See? But, but it can do that. See, but power, natural power, spiritual power. So some people, power ministry is the kick thing. So they really want the power of God in their life. Why? They want to be able to impress, feel valuable, because I've got something. You haven't got it. See? So we have to learn how to develop the character of serving as we seek to grow in the supernatural. Because if we find ourselves as a servant, we're not overly impressed by whether people have got power in their life or not. In, uh, in uh, Acts chapter 8, there's a guy, verse 9, called Simon the Sorcerer, and it says Simon gave out that he was someone important, bewitching all the people with the sorceries. So he was using magical power, but the core thing was he wanted to impress people. He wanted people to think he was a great person. Why? Because he didn't think he was great. He was bitter. He was hurt. He'd been put down. And so he wanted to make something. And his way of making it was to get into a cult and magic and all that kind of stuff. And try to project out he's great. Now, if you project out you're great, what you're projecting out also at the same time is you're not. I am. You're not. See? So when you project that out of your spirit, what happens is every time a person gets near you, they just shut down because they feel no value. They actually feel totally dishonored as though they've got nothing to contribute. One of the things I've enjoyed about mixing with Asians is I can sit next to someone who occupies a very high rank or high position or, or has a huge amount of wealth, a huge amount of power and influence, but you would never know because it doesn't project. They sit down and talk just like you're another person. You have got no idea, and you found out, oh, that guy runs the stock exchange of Taiwan. He's worth millions. I didn't know that. He was just another guy sitting next to me. We had a great time talking about the Lord. You understand? But in New Zealand, often people project out their, because, because in our New Zealand psyche, it seems like we've got no value, and so we have to find external things to make us feel valuable. God wants us to be valuable because of our connection to him, not because of the things outside. And then the last one, performance, achievements. Luke 18, verse 10 through to 11, the Pharisee stood up and says, well, I thank God I'm not like anyone else. I'm really good. I fast, I pray, I do all kinds of good things. But you see, basically what he's saying is I'm good because I perform well. So if you don't perform well, you'll feel bad. This is a religious thing. God wants us to have our value totally out of a connection, a relationship with him. Okay, so what's the true source of value? Let's just have a look. Why don't you show you in, uh, in John 13, John 13, 
John 13. I want to show you Jesus and the example of Jesus. And we'll give you one other verse. John 13. Here it is. And uh, Jesus in verse 3. It says, Jesus, knowing the Father, had given all things into his hands. He had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, wiped them with the towel at which he was girded. Now, here it is here. This is the example of Jesus. Now, where, where was, notice it tells us this. It says, Jesus knew where he came from. He was sourced in God. He knew where he was going. So he knew his origin and his destiny. And you should know that. When you get born again, your origin, you are born from above, born from God. And even if you're not born again, you still came from God. You see, because you're a spirit being, you have something of the image of God in you. So you need to know where you've come from. So when we get born again, we know now that we are connected to the living God. And it says Jesus knew his destiny. His destiny is heaven with God forever. And so it says now, knowing where he's come from, where he's going. In other words, being totally secure out of his connection with God, he could then be a servant. Wash feet. He did the lowest job in the house. Got the smelly disciples' feet, and he just washed the whole lot of them, including Judas, the betrayer. How is it that the Son of God, who lived in heaven and who created all things, was surrounded by angels and majesty and all the attention of heaven? How come he can come and wash the feet of people? Because it's very simple. His value, his internal well-being and value and honor was never attached to what he was doing or to people or to position, or to anything around him, it was out of a dynamic relationship. I am valued by my father, and I value myself. So he was free to serve. Most people are not free to serve because their value inside is not high enough. The steam is so low. A lot of things contribute to that, of course. But when our value is up, we can actually serve anyone. Because you're not worried about the position. You're not worried about being important. You can just help. You can roll your sleeves up and you can help. And what the, the Bible says very clearly, that greatness in the kingdom is about being able to just serve and help and do ordinary stuff. Jesus, here he is, raising the dead. He's the most popular man. The crowds and the whole cities came out to hear him. And there he is. He's just got himself all girded around. He's wiping some, some disciples' feet, including a betrayer. What do you make of that? It's the spirit behind the man, totally valued and esteemed and able then out of that to be able to serve and honor others. Now, when, now let me ask you this. Who, who has the greater honor, the one at the table being served or the one serving? Well, clearly the one at the table being served is the more important person. Is that right? Think about it. When you go into a restaurant, who are the important people? Well, the important people are sitting at the table and they're getting attention made of them. Obviously, they're very important. However, Jesus was able to honor people and make them feel important because he derived his honor and value from another source. See, if we don't value ourselves, if we don't receive the value God gives, what happens? going to try and find it somewhere else. Well, I can't serve. I'm too big to serve. You know, I'm beyond doing that kind of stuff now. Not at all. If you're beyond doing it, then you're too small to go any further. You've forgotten what got you where you were. Go back to square one. Start serving again. Then you'll get promoted again. But sometimes, and particularly I found with Christians, we, we tend to think after being around for a while that we're now graduated beyond the simple tasks. 
pick up some paper, help clean, dust, volunteer, do something out the back, volunteer, be on the door, help with the kids. We, we sort of think we've graduated because in our mind we despise that one and elevate this one and want to move from this one up to that one. But you see, God wants us to learn just to maintain a serving heart all the time. And it comes out of an abundance of internal value and honor. I'm valued. I, don't, I can easily do this. There's no problem to do this. Yes, I'd love to do that. See, and so Jesus demonstrated what this was like. I think it's absolutely amazing. Now, notice what Jesus says in John 5.44. John 5.44. He says, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and don't seek the honor that comes only from God? So he said, how can you believe? So if we seek honor and approval from people, you can't actually access what God wants to give you. While we make seeking the attention of people or seeking approval of people or accumulating, while, we, while our value is in those things, it blocks us receiving from God. Because to receive from God, I have to place weight or value on him and what he can provide. If all the weight is placed on the other things, I'll I'll chase them and I'll despise what God has to offer. But if I actually begin to place value on God and what he can offer me, it will begin to show up now. I'll begin to start to lean on him and trust in him and put weight upon what he says and what he wants. See, you honor God and we honor God when we commit our lives to trust him and then we begin to act out what he shows us he wants for our life. We put weight on him and his plans for our life. Think about that. That's why you need to do that. You need to put more weight on God. More weight. God's the heavyweight. One day you'll find that out. God's a heavyweight. He's a real heavyweight. Now, the better you re- sooner we realize, the better. Hey, there's one day we can't even retain our life. We're really actually quite flimsy. However, so how do we, so, so we can position ourselves to get something from God in this area of value from God. In 1 Samuel 2 and uh, verse 30, it says this. 1 Samuel 2 30, it says, God says this, them that honor me, I will honor. Those that place value on me, then I'll place value on them. Think about that. Those that honor me, those that place weight or value upon me and my words and my character, those who will place value and weight on, he says, I'm going to honor them and place weight and value. I'll actually impart and give to them something they need. He says, those who despise me. That means lift up the head proudly and don't really place much weight on God. He says, they won't really count for anything. So you and I choose whether we receive honor from God or not. You actually, by our lifestyle, we make decisions whether we value honoring God and when we value what he wants to give us. And so we can position ourselves to receive. So I'll give you a couple of keys to positioning yourself and we have to finish. Here's one key. Very simple key is to, to embrace, welcome, and follow Jesus Christ. John 12, Jesus said, if you serve and honor the Son, then the Father will honor you. He said, if you serve and honor the Son then the Father will honor you. So when we embrace Jesus Christ, the one God sent, we honor God himself. When we honor him, he will in turn impart value to us. So we automatically receive value. You know what happens? See, as soon as you respond to Jesus Christ, begin to follow him and serve him, what happens is you begin to access a life flow from God that increases value in your life. 
Okay? The moment you sin, you walk away from that, then you find your value goes down. Now, God just wants you to keep come back to the place of value, keep coming back to that relationship with him, that relationship with Jesus that keeps the value flowing back into your life every day. Another way that we get value from God is when we actually place weight on his words and keep his commandments. John chapter 14, Jesus said this. He said, if you, he that loves me or he that honors me or values me or places weight on me keeps my commandments and I will love him and my father will love him and we'll make our presence known in his life. He'll feel the value of the presence of God in his life. See? But the choice is whether we place weight on what God says or not. So if you, if you have a Bible and never read it, clearly you don't place weight on what God says. If God speaks to you and you do nothing about it, clearly you don't take any weight on what God says. So placing weight on what God says is a crucial way of accessing the honor that God has for us. Not so hard, is it? Here's another way. Embrace and fulfill God's purpose for your life. When we actually begin to discover and embrace what God called us to do, we begin to find value rising in our life because we're not wasting it on things that are trivial, things that are unimportant. We're beginning to discover why we were made and where we're supposed to go. These are things which increase our value. So how can I, oh, last thing I'll finish, I'll just close it off with two more thoughts. One, and these are about how to receive honor. Now, there are two areas you'll receive honor. You will receive honor from people at times, and it's okay to do that. So how do you receive honor from people? Very simple. You receive it, you say, thank you very much. And then you reflect it to God, either immediately or when you're alone at home. Father, thank you for the way these people valued and honored me today. And I want you to know that you are the source of my honor. And I just give all of this back to you. It's evidence of your blessing in my life. You see that? See now, well, when you say something like, oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. Now that is actually rejecting and despising what's been given to you. See, I had someone, you know, someone made a cake and, 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 and they said, oh, thank you very much. Oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. Well, when did the Lord make cakes? I've never seen anything of the Bible. The Lord shall make cakes. He doesn't make cakes. Manna from heaven, maybe, not cakes. But it's sort of a religious but it actually comes out of, a, of an inability to receive value. Thank you very much for what you did. When the person says, well, thank you, I appreciate that. And then privately, you give God the glory. Or publicly, you give God the glory. That makes sense. That's how you receive honor. You have to learn how to receive it, smile, thank you very much, and then reflect it internally at the spot to God or verbally to God or later on in prayer time. But at the end of the day, Lord, I just want to thank you. Lord, they were so good to me today. Lord, I just give the honor back to you. Thank you for your blessing in my life. You, just, you see how you do it? So we should receive honor of people, but it's not what we seek. We're not seeking it. If it doesn't come, it's okay. Not okay for, uh, for, for, uh, for them, though. See, because the Bible says honor should be given where honor is due. So when people should give honor and they don't, then they cut off your gift from them. And that's not good. Okay, here's the last thing. How, do, how can I access the honor of God? I've given you the general principle. Here's the simplest thing. I was thinking, how can you actually make this really work in your life? And I, I looked at how Jesus in Luke 3 was honored by the Father. And it says, as he was praying, Luke 3, 21, as he was praying, 
So prayer, in prayer, we can personally increase our value and our esteem by asking God. It says the heavens were opened or he had access to God. So as we pray, we can gain access to God. And what happened to this? He said God spoke words that affirmed him. This is my beloved son. I love him. God's presence came on him. He received an impartation of anointing. Now, how does that happen for you and me? I'll give it real quick, and that'll tease you a bit. The key to it lies in meditating, meditating on God's word and embracing and imagining how that feels to be true in your life. And as you do it, you begin to start to find value flowing into your life and you come out of those times, you have felt the presence of God, you've felt his favor, you've felt his goodness, he's spoken words to you, and like Moses, you come out and you are glowing. Something has changed. Now, the world tends to devalue us. As believers, we need to come constantly into the presence of a loving God because he will always place value back in you. You get knocked down, he said, it's okay, I'll pick you up. You get overcome by sin and feel dishonored by what you've done or what others have done, he'll honor you and he'll lift you up. He said, it's okay, I made provision for the sin. Come on, get up, I love you. Come back into my presence. See, God honors us and values us. Meditating and accessing that honor and value is the key. I, I can't think of anything greater than that to constantly refreshing your personal value coming into his presence. Why don't we close our eyes right now?